Listener discretion is advised. Located about an hour outside of Austin, Texas, is another very popular blue hole. Known as Jacob's Well, this location attracts many, many people each year. It's a desirable spot for locals to gather and cool off during the summer because Texas gets hot and this crystal clear spring stays at a nice 68 degrees Fahrenheit or 20 degrees Celsius year round. It's a beautiful location and many people have captured breathtaking photos here. However, Jacob's Well holds a terrible secret. While local Texans and vacationers cool off at the top of the spring, Skeletons and decaying bodies lie a hundred feet under the surface, looking up, watching them swim around and laugh. According to the Associated Press, at least nine people have lost their lives while attempting to dive the seemingly endless abyss. It's easily the deadliest diving location in Texas, and in a haunting deja vu from the Blue Hole in Tahab, Egypt, Another diver filmed his near-death experience here when trying to escape this underwater labyrinth. In the 1980s, at a depth of 75 feet or 23 meters, a sign was found saying, quote, You can't keep us out, end quote. What allured divers to their deaths? What makes this location so deadly? Find out on this week's episode of Narcosis Into the Deep. Hi everyone, I'm your host Alex, and in this week's episode, we're going to talk about the history and layout of Jacob's Well, who and how people have died here, and what you can do to prevent becoming Jacob's Well's next victim. Stephen Harrigan, who's an American novelist, wrote in his book titled Jacob's Well that this diving location is, quote, like a portal from another dimension, a world of unnatural vibrance and mystery, end quote. Jacob's Well is only 13 feet or 4 meters wide at its opening at the surface, and it's the second largest fully submerged cave in all of Texas. It consists of at least six chambers that we know of. Where these chambers stop and start varies based on who you're sourcing, but for this podcast's episode, I'm going to reference the most common maps that I could find of Jacob's Well. From the opening of the creek bed, Jacob's Well Cave descends vertically for about 30 feet or 9.1 meters, ending the first chamber. It then continues downward for about another 20 feet or 6 meters, ending the second chamber. The third chamber then begins a more horizontal descent and ends roughly at 75 feet or 22.8 meters deep. The third chamber kind of has a chimney that extends upwards back towards the surface, but it ends roughly 33 feet or 10 meters shy from the surface. The opening to the fourth chamber is small and it's only about 2 to 3 feet tall, or about 0.6 to 0.9 meters tall, and it's definitely not a great spot for anyone with claustrophobia. The fourth chamber ends at a depth of roughly 85 feet or 26 meters, and the fifth and sixth chambers are so narrow they've barely been accessed even by the most experienced divers. Now I know these chambers can be kind of hard to picture in an audio podcast, so you can find a map of Jacob's Well over on our Instagram page, at Pod. 
and I'm also going to share a couple different photos that divers have taken of this well. In the early 1850s, a man by the name of William C. Winters hiked up Cypress Creek searching for its source and that's when he found an overflowing spring. It was said that Mr. Winters exclaimed, quote, like unto a well in biblical times, end quote, and thus it was named Jacob's Well. Jacob's Well is an artesian spring fed from the Trinity Aquifer and it releases thousands of gallons of water each day. It's the headquarters of Cypress Creek, which flows into the Blue Hole Regional Park and feeds the Blanco River. Up until about the 1950s to 1960s, the water pressure from Jacob's Well was so powerful that you couldn't dive down even if you wanted to. From measurements taken in 1924, about 170 gallons of water per second was discharged from the spring to a height of about 6 feet or 1.8 meters into the air. But due to the development in the area, the level of the Trinity Aquifer has dropped, affecting the flow of water through Jacob's Well. In modern era times, what remains visible of the spring is a faint ripple on the surface of Cypress Creek. The 81 acres that surround the spring is known as Jacob's Well's natural area. It's free and open for the public to hike the preserve and view Jacob's Well. However, if you want to swim inside the Jacob's Well, it costs about $9 per adult. You'll need to make an online reservation in advance though, since the well is fairly small and your reservation is only going to get you a block of two hours. To help promote aquatic restoration, the park closes Jacob's Well to swimming between October 1st to April 30th. And per the Hayes County Parks website, no scuba diving is allowed in Jacob's Well, but a few articles mention that divers with special certifications can request a permit to dive here. But the rule that states no scuba diving is allowed appears to have been implemented sometime in the late 1980s or early 1990s, and prior to this rule, a recorded nine people had died in Jacob's Well. Louis Bond wrote an article titled The Fatal Allure of Jacob's Well, and in this article he interviewed Don Dibble, a dive shop owner with over 40 years of diving experience. Don sadly passed away this year on February 5, 2021 at the age of 79. He had held a Master Instructor certification and according to Louis Bond's article, he was the diver who recovered most of the victims at Jacob's Well. Referencing Episode 1, The Blue Hole, Don Dibble is the Tarek Omar of Jacob's Well. In 1979, while attempting to recover the body of another victim, Don almost lost his own life as well. I'll get to that story in just a little bit, but because Don was recovering these bodies and almost lost his own life, he decided that it was time to close off these chambers, hoping to save people from the siren call of the cave. In January of 1980, Don attempted to seal off the fourth chamber. He built a grate made out of rebar and quick-set concrete, but only a short six months later he would find it dismantled. Divers not only brought the necessary tools needed to pull off the grate, but they also left a note for Don. Scribbled on a plastic slate nearby, it said, quote, you can't keep us out, end quote. Although Jacob's Well is relatively small and condensed, it sometimes took years to recover or even locate the remains of a missing diver. There's a local team of very experienced divers who is often requested by local authorities when it comes to recovering bodies underwater, and this team is known as the San Marcos Area Recovery Team, or SMART for short. These next few sentences will be coming word for word from a press release that the SMART team put out in October of 2000. 
October 8, 2000, press release. Smart cave divers penetrated Jacob's Well as part of a research project with the Wimberley Valley Watershed Association to map and videotape the underwater spring. After penetrating over 300 feet, or 91 meters, in distance and 130 feet, or 40 meters, in depth, divers found the skeletal remain and diving equipment of a diver who is believed to be a man from Pasadena. Kent Maupin and Mark Braziers were reported missing on September 9, 1979, while diving in Jacob's Well. Two years after the tragedy, the skull and some skeletal remains of Mark Braziers were recovered after floodwaters washed out some of his remains to the surface. Braziers was positively identified through dental records, but the body of Kent Maupin was never found. Smart cave divers discovered the skeletal remains and videotaped the scene as part of the death investigation. As required by law upon finding the human remains, Smart called the Hayes County Sheriff's Department immediately after the dive and made a copy of the underwater video for the Sheriff's Department's review. The three-person topside support team included master diver Don Dibble, who was seriously injured in Jacob's Well attempting to recover the bodies of Brazier and Maupin in 1979. This has been a special victory and closure for Don, who has been a member of Smart Divers since 1988 and who has assisted the team with his technical diving knowledge and past knowledge of the cave itself. Smart performed two additional dives into the cave over the next few days to recover all remains and the scuba gear. Now, I'm not sure about you, listener, but it kind of creeps me out thinking about how people have died in this very small spring. And while people are swimming and splashing around at the surface, having fun and cooling off in the summer, there's a body slowly decaying just a few dozen feet underneath of them. The episode on the blue hole in Tahab, Egypt didn't bother me as much because the hole was massive and it connected to the Red Sea, but here at Jacob's Well, it's so small and unavoidable. But the main question here is what makes this location so deadly? And why have so many people lost their lives in this underwater cave? Greg Tatum, who's an experienced diver and has logged over 250 dives at Jacob's Well, says that the well is only dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. But still, Greg says that there's no room for error. The largest and most common mistake made when cave diving is kicking up silt. Silt is defined as fine sand, clay, or other material carried by running water and deposited as a sediment, especially in a channel or harbor. It can be found in areas of running water, such as Jacob's Well. It's easy for a novice to accidentally stir up the silt, and when this happens, the entire cave gets cloudy and murky. You can't tell up from down, especially when you can't even see an inch in front of you. When this happens, even the most experienced cave divers begin to freak out, and that's when the real trouble occurs. For Jacob's Well, though, this isn't the only obstacle to overcome. There's many tight, cramped places. As I mentioned earlier, some of these places are only two to three feet or less than a meter tall. Greg and other experienced Jacob's Well divers began using side-mounted tanks to help create a slimmer profile that lets them navigate these narrow sections easier. For these divers though, it's worth the cramped spaces and the risks of making a mistake. These underwater caves are free of stalactites and stalagmites, and there's impressive limestone walls of many different colors, both vibrant and muted. 
There are no bats, of course, in these underwater caves, but there are catfish, perch, turtles at the beginning of the cave, and the deeper you go, there's blind Texas salamanders to keep you company. One thing Greg mentions in an interview for an article is that he brings two or sometimes even three of everything. He'll bring at least two air tanks and even three lights. Lighting is sometimes more important than air when you're diving in an underwater cave with only one exit. Greg says, quote, it gets so dark you can taste it, end quote. Some people experience bathophobia when swimming at Jacob's Well, which is a fear of deep waters that may contain unknown horrors. But this fear doesn't exist in everyone, and some daredevils can't stay away. In 1979, two divers from Pasadena, Kent Maupin and Mark Braziers, attempted to dive Jacob's Well and ultimately lost their lives. At the time, Kent was 20 years old and Mark was 21. They were both accompanied by about 20 other people from Pasadena during a weekend in early September 1979. Their plans were to camp in the park and dive Jacob's Well. Though still young, Kent had been diving since he was 12 years old and was a certified dive instructor and a very experienced diver for his age. Apparently, however, age may have contributed to Kent's death as he and his friend, with the confidence of youth, ventured beyond the realm of safety. Kent and Mark arrived at the campground at about 11.30pm on September 9th, determined to make a dive while the others were settling their campsite for the night. According to those who were there that weekend, the two boys were not alone in the well at the time, and they were seen by other divers getting into the dangerous fourth chamber. At the time, the entrance to the chamber was only about 18 inches or 48 centimeters wide and about 15 feet or 4.5 meters long. Several people who had previously entered the fourth chamber had not returned alive. After midnight that night, the two young men were seen at the entrance to the chamber, backing into the opening and pulling their tanks behind them. Joe Moy, a diver who said he was stunned to witness the scene, remembered that the two had no backup lights and no safety line. In the Texas Monthly Report from 1980, Joe said that he flashed his light back and forth trying to get Mark's attention, who had gone in last, but Mark would not look at him. Joe remained submerged as long as he could, hoping the two divers would come back out, but finally he ran out of air and was forced to head to the surface. He said at that time he knew that the boys were dead. Kent's parents stood at the banks of the river, waiting for his remains to be brought up to him, but after over a week of extensive effort, the recovery work was called off when entry into the corridor was proven to be impassable. Don Dibble, who I mentioned earlier as a diver who has recovered many people from the site, was seriously injured in his attempt to locate Kent's remains. At the time, Kent's father said that he didn't want anyone else injured in order to find his son. Kent's father said, quote, I didn't want them to continue trying to get him. I told Don I was afraid everyone else might get hurt or even die, and I just didn't want that to happen, end quote. It was after this accident that Don later went back into the well with a team of divers and cemented a grate over the lower portion of the cave to prevent anyone else from entering the dangerous area. During Don's dive to try to recover Kent's remains, Don became trapped from his waist down in the sliding gravel lining the bottom of the third chamber. Just as Don was running out of air, he was finally rescued by some of the other divers in his team, but he still suffered a ruptured stomach during his rapid, unconscious ascent. If it hadn't been for those teammates diving with him, Don too could have lost his life in Jacob's well that day. 
The most recent account of a near-death experience occurred in 2015 when a free diver was filming his dive in Jacob's Well. On July 13, 2015, Diego Adam attempted to free dive Jacob's Well and he recorded the dive. He's done it, quote, more times than he can count, end quote, and each dive he slowly progresses further and further into the cave inch by inch with safety as his number one priority. But during his dive on July 13th, he lost his flipper at a depth of about 100 feet. His first thought was that he needed to get back to the surface as soon as possible. He had flashbacks of another free diver who lost his flipper while free diving in a cavern, and when that diver went back to retrieve it, they blacked out before they could reach the surface. Although Diego remained conscious, his world was momentarily blacked out in the pit of the well. Along with losing his flipper, Diego's flashlight was dislodged from his wrist when he pushed off the cave's wall. But he said he was ready with a backup light, and a backup light for the backup light. Diego says, quote, This was the first time it's ever happened. For a split second, I thought of death and myself dying that day. I removed those thoughts and focused only on the present moment of what was happening, not what was going to happen. I knew I had trained for this, and whatever was thrown my way, I could handle it. The worst thing to do in a situation like this is panic. Panicking is the culprit for most deaths." End quote. With his camera still rolling, Diego swam to the light at the top of the well. His tense moments are audible in the video as he struggled to breathe. The gasps for air you can hear in the video is something called a mammalian dive reflex. After holding your breath for an extended period of time, your diaphragm begins to have contractions to prevent the lungs from collapsing during long spells underwater. The video ends as soon as Diego reaches the lip of the well. So as you can see from this account, and Kent and Mark's story, cave diving is a dangerous thing. So what can you do to prevent becoming Jacob Wells' next victim? Well, the biggest issue here is that this is a cave and special training is required in order to go cave diving. Even those who are well-trained and experienced still face the fact that they can die with one small minor error. Cave diving, especially in Jacob's Well, is not for the inexperienced. You'll also need to obtain a permit in order to dive here, and from what I've found online, those permits are few and far in between. If you ever go cave diving, you'll need to be aware of multiple things. Always bring extra air and light, you can never have enough of these things, and use a safety wire if possible. You'll need to be aware of your profile so you or your tanks don't get caught up in anything, and you'll also need to be aware of the ground of the cave. Kicking up silt or any other blinding material can seal your fate, especially if you lack a safety line. But just to reiterate, cave diving is a specialized kind of diving. It takes multiple training courses to receive the ability to conquer these kinds of dives. This is definitely not for any novices. One thing you'll come to learn about during this podcast is that I personally will never go cave diving. It's extremely dangerous and the rewards, in my opinion, are not worth the risk. But there are plenty of daredevils that love diving these untouched caves and they just get an adrenaline rush from knowing that no other person has been here before. I'm not claustrophobic, but Jacob's well is very, very small 
And I couldn't imagine risking my life to fit into an area that's just barely bigger than I am, especially when it's 100 feet under the water. Definitely check out the photos on our Instagram page so you can see just how small this cave really is. I would like to emphasize once again that cave diving requires special training and experience. If you lack that experience, always go with a diving instructor or a diving guide. It could really save your life. Thank you all so much again for listening to Narcosis Into the Deep. I'm your host, Alex, and join me again each Monday for a new case of a scuba diving or marine accident. If you like this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you all next week.